podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston. We are, of course, the flagship show of the 10-12 Network, your podcast network for all things Big 12, and partners with Sports Drink, your source for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, We are doing our first live show in quite a while. I'm debating making this a monthly occurrence, not a weekly occurrence, but maybe a once a month occurrence. Uh, joining me at this point, uh, we're going to have some uh, some hosts from across the 1012 network throughout the evening between now and nine o'clock. But joining me here off the top, I see my good friends Andy Mitz, the host of the Rock Chalk podcast, Scott McFarland, aka Scott Wildcat, host of Bosco's Boys, or Bosco's Boys. Sorry, I see quite a bit of uh, Bonehead Nation joining us here as listeners, and of course Albie Shore one of the many talented individuals who, uh, who host Tortillas and Takes podcast. Guys, welcome tonight. Thanks for, thanks for hopping in with us. Yeah, it's great to be here, like, like normal. This feels like a normal, Monday, or, you know, a normal Monday now. Isn't it Sunday? And it's, it's a Sunday. Yeah, it's a... Uh, we've, we've, we've been hey, waiting all day for Sunday night, Andy. Don't break the fourth wall. Come on. This is for the podcast episode. No, okay, you're right. Sunday night, I'm usually chatting here with my good friends, Philip and Jamie, and uh, it's just nice to have a bunch of other people to talk as well. So basically what you're saying is is that you're so sick of talking to Philip that you're just glad that you can talk to other people and not have to deal with Philip. No, no matter how great it is to talk with people, it's always good to change it up at times. Well, so, so Philip, I personally like talking to you. I don't know why Andy doesn't, but you know, hey, you know, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> What Andy doesn't realize is that uh, Jamie is, is off this week. She's off uh, on vacation. Right. And I didn't want to just do this, me and Andy. So I needed all of you to come and help fill the air uh, since we don't have Jamie. Because I know everybody comes to listen to Jamie. And yep. so I, I needed some help. I don't think anyone wants to listen to just me and Andy talk. I know. I Jamie come, I come to listen to Jamie and I'm on the show. So <laughs> Jamie is the glue that holds the podcast and the network together. So that is that is facts. No one's arguing that ever. Would, would be foolish to do so. Absolutely. Uh, okay. I see some more people joining in. Welcome everybody. Uh, hop in the chat, share your thoughts. We'll try and, and read some of those as we go. Uh, I see Andre Napier uh, having himself a good time in the chats. Cole, uh, if I mispronounce this man, I'm sorry. I didn't say, let's just go with Cole. Cause I'm not going to try and pronounce it. Cause I'm, I don't want to do that. Uh, I see my buddy, Rich, who is a constant listener and uh loves to, to tweet at us at 1012 network always nice to see you here man all right so let's dive in since we have oh there's there's jeremy gillen all right let's bring him in we'll bring him in you know what good my, have... my favorite host of uh tortillas and takes is finally here oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, where's where's see that's why we need we need jamie in here okay i mean can't have I can't have uh, this all this K State love right around here. Okay, this is all you flour tortilla eaters. Hey, you know what? what? Is a problem, hard. Albert. Yeah, I I don't <laughs> want to have to fight with you, Albie, but I will. Uh, but but I am glad Jeremy's here. 
because uh, he and I, we can railroad all of you and just take this entire network over if you don't. Oh, yourself, so. absolutely, Scott. Absolutely. Love the energy. Absolutely. I'm a little bit peeved coming into this. Um, didn't realize that had to have an app for this. Couldn't be in the desktop. So I'm sitting here all professional. Like, you know what? I'm ready to go. I'm texting Albie. Hey, man, like, do we just follow the link? He's like, yep. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, I'm just hearing people talk. I got to download the app. So you know what? I'm a little flustered, but thankful that we get to be here. Uh, since we have Albie and since we have Jeremy here, uh, should we just I had a, I had a rundown. None of you have it. That's just for me and my eyes only. Uh, but we're just going to throw the rundown out, which is pretty much the standard uh, uh, operating procedure for the 1012 podcast. Jeremy, obviously, since we have you here and myself, uh, a Big 12 fan, but an Oklahoma State uh, cowboy at heart. Should we, should we start with what happened in Stillwater in what I thought was a, a closer-than-expected win for the Cowboys, but definitely an impressive performance, I thought, from Texas Second. I know they didn't come away from, with the win in the end, but I do have to say I, Texas Tech came in with a game plan. I thought they executed it very, very well. And, yes, Oklahoma State was able to make the necessary adjustments despite the number of injuries they dealt with on the field on Saturday, especially at starting center and all over the defensive backfield. But I, I want to give Texas Tech a ton of credit here. I thought the game plan they came in with, Kitley and, uh, and Joey McGuire, was excellent uh, throwing in. And I don't want to hear the, like, well, they used their third-string quarterback. There's nothing that gives Oklahoma State fans greater fear than, like, Kansas State or any Big 12 team coming in with third, fourth, fifth string, former uh, wide receiver converted into quarterback, uh, taking snaps under center uh, that they didn't plan to have to deal with and just scaring the absolute bejesus and daylights out of them. So props to Texas Tech. I thought you guys and I thought that team performed really well on Saturday despite uh, not coming away from Stillwater with the win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the team the team played really well. I, I, I ain't going to lie to you. I expected a blowout. We're going into undefeated, seventh-ranked Oklahoma State. Um I even said it in the preview pod. I think I, I think I predicted like a 20 point loss, something, something to that effect, um, which is, I expected us to get beat pretty handily. And Tech started off right from the bat with a freshman, you know, quarterback slanging it. So um, I, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Um, I know the fan base is pretty excited about Baron Morton. They've been wanting to see Baron Morton. Baron Morton did not uh, disappoint. He showed up and showed out. So um, I, I think really at the end of the game, it was really Derek Mason did a great job making those adjustments. Your Oklahoma State's a little bit more of a veteran team, more experienced team than Tech is. And, and um, you also finally got the freshman, the big freshman mistake that I think all of us who knew would happen eventually with that big interception there in the, in the third, at the end of the third quarter, that kind of turned the tide a little bit. So, uh, but I mean, all in all, I, I'm a big believer that there's no such thing. There's no moral victories unless you suck. And so I don't know. Like it's a question of like, do we suck? I feel like we don't suck. We're three and three, so there's no moral victories. So this is just a, this is just an L. But like we're borderline from that. Do we suck or not? So like I'm okay. Like it's it's questionable whether this is a moral victory or not. Well, Alpi, not only did they get the freshman mistakes, which didn't look like for the first couple of drives, Morton was uh, as invincible as ever. Not only did they get the freshman mistakes, but they also got Spencer Sanders like full potential spenders is something we mentioned on our preview is that, you know, this game has always been a, I kind of have some hope because Spencer Sanders really is unimpressive in, in the litany of it. Uh, but not this season, 
this is a completely different, completely composed. And I think the announcers even did a really good job of mentioning it, you know, zooming in on his face. I mean, this is a guy who's unfazed by being behind and being ahead, uh, ahead, excuse me. Um, just really worked out. I mean, Oklahoma state had, if without Spencer Sanders, this game goes completely Texas Tech's way, right? He, he ends up making the big difference there in the end. And uh, for Texas Tech fans, you cannot be, I'm with Albie, like there's no moral victories here. We don't, and we don't suck, but we're certainly not good. Um, but I don't think you can be upset with this loss as a Texas Tech fan. Uh, looks like listener Stuart Wilkes uh, has asked to join it. So Stuart, do you have uh, thoughts on this particular game? Oh, nope, Stuart bounced. No worries. Uh, okay. Look, I, I, I do think for Texas Tech, like I agree. We don't take moral victories, but coming into this season, like the, the issue for tech was like, look, the start of this schedule, the first six games were so difficult. Like two and four would be awesome. And look, Houston hasn't been as good as we thought, but for Texas tech at this point to be three and three, even one and two in conference play. I mean, I, I think that kind of exceeds our expectations for the first half of the season for Texas tech. And so you've, you've got to feel good knowing you've gone through three different quarterbacks. Uh, you have dealt with your own injuries. And to be here at three and three based off of, I think, most outsiders preseason expectations and knowing what you have on the back half of the schedule for Texas Tech. I mean, to me, it was just don't, don't take a step back in year one of Joe McGuire. That, that was, to me, like, can we do that? Can we, can we not take a big step back? Can we stay at least as a bowl team in year one? Uh, under McGuire and it's hard not to look at what they have left on the schedule and hard not to see what they've done so far and say yeah I, I don't I don't think they're going to take a step back at all and with with kind of the promise of the Joy McGuire hire and what he's they've done in the recruiting trail and the buzz that they've built I mean you've got to feel good about the 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 program moving forward even after just six games and I know it's a lot to read into after just six games but it's a promising six game start to the Joy McGuire era to me yeah, I was going to say, kind of being an outsider here, you know, um, this is a team that I think surprised has surprised me quite a bit. And and honestly, I don't I don't know that I can say that if uh, if Morton hadn't gotten injured at the beginning of the first half that we would be talking about the same outcome here because he played phenomenally in the first half, and you could tell in that second half that he was pretty limited. Um, so I, I would not have been shocked to you know come to find out that he had played a whole lot better if he hadn't been dealing with an injury in the second half. So what you're saying is that Bar- healthy Baron Morton is winning out for the rest of the season. I don't know if Texas I quite going nine and three. I don't know if I quite go that <laughs> far. <laughs> that's, that's, I, that's I mean, I mean he, he does have to play Kansas still. So. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a big one. Actually, I was, you that's know the what, big one left on the schedule. You no, know, you know what's <laughs> funny is is that um, Andy, you're talking about surprises. I I, I got to give you a shout out. I got to give Andy a shout. out. I already did this on Twitter. I gotta give you a shout out. Because we all laughed at you when you said Kansas was going to go to a bowl. I did not laugh. We all laughed at you. We did. I did, I did not. I laughed at you. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I thought Kansas would be a lot improved. I thought they'd be better. Right? I thought they'd be the best damn 3-9 team in the country. Right? That's, that's, that's what I thought. Um, but here you are. You're, you know, six weeks into the season, five wins, ranked, had college game day in your backyard. You know? Hey, props to you. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, again, like, I, I expected this to be a good team, um, like a bowl-eligible team. Um, realized, though, that it was definitely a, a bold statement and a very hot take at the time. 
Um, but I mean, they're playing even better than I thought that they would be able to this year. I think the fact that they've been able to put all of this together and they lost to TCU, but TCU is a much better team than most people expected coming into the year as well. And TCU is a, is a very good team. Like they are definitely, um, you know, deserving of all the accolades that they're getting. They should be, honestly, I'm surprised they didn't jump up a little bit higher in the polls. Um, but the fact that Kansas, you know, didn't really drop in the polls after losing that game to TCU showed not only the kind of respect that both of these teams are getting, but also, you know, just how much people have bought into what the Big 12 at the top is doing right now. I think, Andy, your Big 12 at the top comment, it's something I did have in my notes I wanted to talk about. Uh, look, obviously Oklahoma State's defense is not what they were last year. There's no arguing that. That's fine. But we continue to see from a national media standpoint, first it's it's cover three, talking about Oklahoma State as a fraudulent top 10 team. And if you want to tell me they're not going to end the season as top 10 team, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to argue with you on that. Uh, then you see people talking about how, how many yards Oklahoma State's defense gave up against Texas Tech. And you don't get much, if any, national coverage, to be honest, on TCU. It's kind of just kind of casually mentioned, despite the fact that they're undefeated. And the Kansas conversation is not, it's not respectful. It's very, look how cute this story is. And as soon as it stops being a story, which might be this week now that they've lost a game, it's going to be out of the story, headlines, right? It, it really does feel, and I'm not a conspiracy theory guy at all. I, I, don't, I don't typically believe in that kind of stuff. However it does start to seem almost like a concerted effort by many to, I don't want to say dog the big 12, but not give it its respect. It's talked about in such a way right now, like it's a, it's referred to as a deep conference and that's great. It's, it's true. Um, all the ratings that I look at from people I like uh, beta rank, Kelly Ford. Uh, we have our own uh, John Wheeler, who's helping us with ours. Like everything shows the big 12 is the, the strongest top you know, bottom up conference there is don't have a team at the top, all of Alabama or Ohio state or Michigan that rates in, with those numbers. That's fine. doesn't mean that the conference isn't good, but it does feel like there's a national narrative that the big 12 is being talked about with even the teams at the top are being treated like, yeah, they're fine. And, and the best storyline is always, you know, like I said, Kansas, it's not being given respect. It's, Hey, we finally sent game day there when we were just like, all right, well, we badgered for it. And it'll, it'll play good numbers and people will be happy that we did it. Not like, Hey, we should actually go and cover Kansas. It's just, it's really bothering me the way the big 12 is being treated the TV times and the, the prime spots, the big 12 is not getting them. It does feel a little bit like, I'm sorry. OU sucks this year, but that doesn't mean the rest of the conference shouldn't be treated with the same respect you show to crappy big 10 crappy sec and, and, and crappy acc teams so this is my point of view it can be wrong it can be right I, I don't know what your thoughts are but this is what college football is because the big 12 is not seen as having an actual playoff contender as much as some folks like to you know tweet about crazy stuff that happened during saturday games and national folks like to say oh look at us we're talking about this random game uh, the West Virginia Pitt game is a perfect example. Oh, look at all of us enjoying West Virginia Pitt, and it has nothing to do with playoff implications. That's all fine and dandy, but when it comes to getting those prime TV spots, when it comes to talking about the conference uh, as a whole, 
you're not going to get these great TV time slots. You're not going to get the, you know, top of the conference respect if it isn't having, if it doesn't have a place in the playoff conversation. That is just what the national college football media has turned into. And this is never going away. It might get better when all of a sudden there are 12 teams getting in and you get an automatic buy-in for a team who wins the conference, it might get a little bit better where it's, oh, we're talking about the Big 12. Who's going to win the Big 12? Who's going to make it into the playoff? But as is in this four-team conference setup, until there is someone who is deemed as a playoff contender, whether it be Oklahoma State, whether it be TCU, if one of those teams have an emphatic win this upcoming weekend, that narrative might change. But that's just what college football is at the national level. And there's nothing anyone can do to stop it. And, and, and that's the way college football's been for a really long time. Well, it's too. been like that ever since yeah. the playoff became a thing. Because even back in the BCS, there was all this talk about, oh, who's going to make the BCS bowl games? Oh, uh, a lot more talk about these regional rivalries, all these stupid, you know, college football trophy games. And I say stupid lovingly. I love all the crazy, stupid stuff people play for. I want to play Iowa State for a golden pecan pie. Um, I, I just, I, I just think that once the playoff became a thing, once you took it away from, oh, instead of just being the two best teams and Hey, everything else, all these bowl games, all these rivalries, that's, what's driving people to the sets. They made it only about the playoff. They thought, okay, we are creating this new thing. This is what we're going to talk about. And that's the reason why ESPN college game day has never had worse ratings. It's a reason why you see all these hyper-regionalized podcasts and podcast networks like the 1012 pop up because all this appetite for national college football is only eaten up by, you know, 12 programs split across the SEC and Big Ten. And that's what the TV networks think they're going to do. I think eventually they're going to have a rude awakening, but it's going to be 10 years and it'll be way too late to fix anything at that point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I this think, is, though, once you move to the 12 team, yeah, sorry, once you move to a 12 team, I do think you may potentially revert back to that BCS, right? Because, Scott, to your point, with the BCS, you only had two teams that was making the national championship game, right? So most years, it was only really four teams that had a shot at it. And then if you only pay attention to those four teams, then nothing else matters, right? But with BCS, there was a matter of the Rose Bowl was still important, the Sugar Bowl was still important, et cetera, et cetera. And so you could branch out to that many more teams. So once it expands to 12 teams, well, now anybody that's ranked has a shot at being one of those 12 teams. Anybody in the top 20 has a decent shot at being one of those 12 teams to where right now. But I, I will say to Phil's original point, as far as nobody giving us any the Big 12, any uh, uh, credence is that the, the, the only thing about that is right now Oklahoma State's about to play TCU. That game should have it has should have playoff implications, and not even in the fact of like one team has to blow out the other. It's two undefeated teams. The winner of that game likely will will find themselves in the Big 12 championship game. Um, that should have all the things there. But when you continually dog the conference and say how much the conference doesn't have anybody at the top, well then what that happens is when the eighth ranked team plays the thirteenth ranked team, it's not even if Oklahoma State does end up beating TCU, it's oh it's once again another tipping the oh well who do they really play aspect instead of saying no they just went out and played an undefeated tcu team in fort worth that holds weight but when you continually have this recycling door of oh they didn't play anybody because we say that this team isn't anybody so therefore when they do not play anybody it's nothing for example tcu played kansas this week 
and it's all fun and games that Kansas is is ranked and undefeated. But at the end of the day, everybody's still saying, oh, well, they're still just Kansas. They're still nothing. They're still only the 19th ranked team in the country. They're still only this. It's only that. And so it's a it's a it's a rotating circle. I I must be listening to different people or looking at different stuff than you guys because a lot of the national people like yeah like you know week three it was hey Kansas is a a good story because they still happen to be undefeated but you know there was a lot of people talking about with game day coming to town and um, you know it seemed like every national podcast I listened to or every national story that I looked at was like most people will say that you know Kansas is just benefiting from a weak schedule or something like that. But this is a team that is actually a good team. And like, it is one of those things I think where even we have kind of been conditioned to like, you know, seek out those people that don't give us respect. But I think there's been a lot of respect for the big 12 with the caveat that has been acknowledged that, Hey, they don't really have a team that's going to compete for the playoff, but not because they don't have any teams that are good enough just because there's so many teams that are balanced from top to bottom in the conference that is going to be difficult for any of them to get to just one loss or no losses that's going to require to get to the playoff. And so it's more of a realization about the fact that this is such a strong conference top to bottom that it's going to be hard to get the kind of record that you need to get in the playoff, not saying that there are no teams that could be good enough. And and I don't think that like the example of saying that Oklahoma State is quote unquote the most fraudulent big 10 or top 10 team was saying anything about the Big 12 as a whole. I think it was just more of the fact that you even look at what, you know, Oklahoma State did and, like, the big win that they had prior to this last weekend was probably the Arizona State win. And it was, you know, Arizona State who ended up firing their coach. Like, this is not, you can talk about non-conference schedules and the fact that some of these teams haven't gotten the respect because they haven't played phenomenal schedules yet. But as we get further and further into conference play, everybody is recognizing that with the exception of maybe Oklahoma this year, a team that you play in the big 12 is a quality opponent. And if you get a win there, that it is something to actually pay attention to. Hilarious. The besides Oklahoma caveat. That's, that's so funny. I love this so much. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You just, you hate to see it. Uh, Scott, you brought all your boneheads in here. So let's, let's give a little bit of what they want. I think, cause I know. Uh, so is it me going to be bullying Andy? Is that what they want? I think that's what they actually want. I, I look, if you guys need to take, I don't know if you can make like a side room that you two can just go off in and just go at it. And that's fine. Uh, I, I feel like we have to talk about the 10, nine win over Iowa state. I, uh, I watched some of that. I tried to, it was not pretty. Um, that's the kind of game that Iowa fans. Yeah. At this point, Iowa state, Iowa outside of the mascot, they seem very similar, solid defense, not a lot on offense, but wear black. No, Phil, I don't blame. Ooh. I don't blame. Honestly, Kansas though, State if you ask ESPN, game. like if you ask ESPN, Iowa and Iowa State are the same team. So, yes. <laughs> did actually didn't Fox also have that graphic where it was a? Uh, I know they did it to Kansas and Kansas State, but the graphic where it was like an Iowa State logo with rock with a uh, um, like go go Hawkeyes. Right. Fox, Fox <laughs> did the same thing, <laughs> but backwards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I don't blame Kansas State for Saturday's game, and I'll tell you why. I blame Iowa State because all of Iowa State's games are this weird, stupid, boring, Big 12 nasty mess that is gross, okay? That's all That's all. – they had that 11-14 game against Kansas just a couple weeks ago. Like, this is, this is what they do. It's nasty. 
it's nasty how they do this. Scott, yeah. I, I, I'm curious from the Kansas State side. Like, we've we've kind of seen this game before against Tulane, where the offense and, and credit to Iowa State's defense. I do think they play really good defense. Their offense isn't doing the defense any favors. But it, it, is this another kind of what we saw against Tulane, where I do think Adrian Martinez is really good, but you're you, you're going to get more good Adrian Martinez and really fantastic Adrian Martinez, but you're also going to get more games like this where the offense is just mm, if it could just do enough, if special teams can just do enough, and that's pretty much the thing you need against Iowa State is just to have good special teams because they don't. Like what what was this from Kansas State? Like I watched some, but I, I got to be honest, I, after a while I was like, okay, um, anything else? Yeah, so first off, I, I think I have a massive benefit in talking about this game because I actually only watched the very ending live. I was at a wedding um, where I saw Philip Brooks's touchdown on my phone during reception, couldn't really see much else, got home in time to see basically K-State kick a game-winning field goal and then the defense show up. Um, so I, I was able to watch it this morning without having to live and die by every play, and and you you said it. you didn't watch much of it, but the way you described that game versus the Tulane game could not be any more different. Uh, completely wrong on that. So uh, K-State lost the turnover battle. K-State was worse in special teams. The thing is, K-State was the better defensive team. Uh, they made the big plays when they needed to happen. And Adrian Martinez was good. He was 10 of 19 throwing. He caught a pass for 12 yards. Uh, he had, I think, what, two, just over 200 yards passing, 77 yards rushing. Um, actually, it was more than just over 200. I think it was like 240 yards passing. The difference, the, the reason why this game, and if you look at our friend Parker Fleming's uh, did you really get beat that bad, K-State dominated when you look at success rate. The difference was was a missed field goal by about three feet and a fumble on the one-inch yard line as Malik Knowles is going in for a what would have been a 70-yard touchdown play. That's the difference. K-State made mistakes. K-State shot themselves in the foot. And we only had like 55 plays. This was like an old-school Bill Snyder or even Courtney Messingham-style K-State offense where there were hardly any plays. If K-State gets those 10 points that they should have, they're up over two points per possession, which would have been the worst uh, points per possession given up by Iowa State's defense the entire year. So this was not a repeat of the Tulane, but we just got things right. It was, hey, they fumbled the ball on the one-inch yard line, and they missed. They just barely missed a field goal. Otherwise, this is a, what, double-digit score win. K-State fans would have been popping you know, bottles a little bit earlier, trolling on Iowa State fans on Twitter. Uh, it was inches away from being a very comfortable night. So, yeah, but, but that's just what Iowa State does. Like they did the same thing to KU. Like KU no, had multiple. No, no, KU had multiple times where no they Iowa just, State. Iowa State shot themselves in the foot. That's the big difference here. K State shot themselves in the foot, and they still found a way to win the game. Iowa State did everything they could to lose the game, and that's what they did. K-State still found a way to win. That is, It is a totally different game from what KU did. It sounded like exactly the same way that I would describe the KU-Iowa State game the week before. How? How? Iowa State, Iowa State 
fumbles punts. Iowa State uh, misses three field goals that their field goal kicker should have had versus being perfect on the night. It's nothing like what KU did. And, and that's not to take anything away from what KU did, but trying to phrase it up as Iowa State shat the game away to give, to give K-State the win, that is the, that, that is like the most opposite thing that happened. KU had a net success rate losing to Iowa State in that game. K-State blew Iowa State out in net success rate. The game nowhere near the same. Okay. Uh, Martinez ended with an 84.1 QBR, which I'm trying to think, I'm trying to find. Might have been the best in the Big 12 this week. No, I thought he sucked. I'll keep digging. I just, I said I didn't get to watch a lot of it. No, 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 that, that's not a shot at you. Talk. That's not a shot at you. Oh, my, you too. I just, I love you. I, I look forward to the Andy and Scott show, which is like uh, local sports radio on, on crack. It'll be incredible. Uh, okay. Looking around the rest of the Big 12, Kansas and TCU. I was hoping Parker would be able to make it and we could talk about the game a little bit more with him. And if he does, we will. But in the meantime, Andy, uh, Kansas and TCU, a first half defensive showdown, uh, followed by a second half that gave us more of what we expected. I'm still can't believe that game hit the over, but it did. <laughs> uh, especially considering Jason Bean coming in and, I mean, playing hero ball for Kansas. I know Kansas didn't get the win. And I'm not going to say that Jason Bean's going to look that good every week moving forward, but it, it, it stinks when you get somebody who steps into a position like that, plays as well as he did in that game, and they still couldn't come out with the win. But I, I'm curious your thoughts on, on how Kansas looked in what I thought was really a, a game that kind of lived up to what we were hoping to see on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, this is the game that, you know, coming into the year, everybody thought the Red River rivalry was going to be, um, you know, a back and forth, a high scoring, but also an opportunity for defenses to kind of show what they're able to do. And and this was a game that I thought that, you know, every phase of the game for both teams had an opportunity to star at different points in this game. Um, you know, this was essentially two different games. The The, the first half was a a defensive showdown where both defenses were making huge plays were really kind of stopping. And, you know, like Kansas fumbling on the, the one inch line for, for Jalen Daniels. Um, you know, I, I went back and I looked at that and unfortunately it was kind of just a, a, a freak, like one of those things that just happens occasionally that you don't really have any control over. And, and ultimately that ended up being the final margin for TCU. But I think this is one of those things where, you know, Kansas played really well defensively in the first half. So did TCU. Kansas then had to change things up when Jalen Daniels got injured. Jason Bean came in and played an absolutely electric game. Um, you know, his, his QBR on the week was actually 90.1, which I do believe was actually the highest for any Big 12 quarterback this week. But, um, you know, he was only in for a half, but he had four touchdown throws. Um, this kind of shows what Lance Leipold and the staff were saying in camp that, you know, Jalen Daniels did not just by default win the job. Jason Bean has been playing the best um, this year in terms of in camp and practice, everything that's been going on. It, like he was performing better than he ever has the best that he ever has as a Jayhawk. And the fact that Jalen Daniels was able to beat him out, you know, I think says a whole lot more about what Daniels has been able to do um, because I agree. I don't think Bean's going to be this good every single week, but I do think he has the tools and he has the ability and he is the fastest guy on the team. Well credited by basically everybody on the team that he is the fastest one. And then there's not even a question 
Um, so he brings a difference in that running game, um, but the same sort of skills that Daniel Daniels does. I just think that Daniels is a little bit more polished as a passer. Daniels is probably a little bit better as a decision maker. But, you know, Bean is a, a more than a capable replacement for Daniels for however long Daniels is out. I don't, like, I, I don't expect Kansas to be quite as good moving forward in, in their offense, but they are still plenty good. And with a guy like Andy Kotelnicki calling the shots, um, you know, this is a team that I think is still going to be a very dangerous team going throughout the rest of the year. I will say, sorry, before everyone else jumps in, like TCU impressed me in this team, though, as well. Um, with how fast they are as a team, uh, they have a lot more team speed overall than I think I, I really expected. Um, you know, they, they were doing a lot of the same sort of thing that uh, that – Iowa State and West Virginia and other teams had tried to do to stop what Kansas is doing, and they were just able to get there. Um, there weren't very many times where Kansas just flat out beat somebody to the sideline in terms of trying to run, and they've done that to a lot of different teams this year. TCU was able to get out there and kind of get those stops it took, having multiple blockers out there to open up lanes and things like that. This TCU defense is for real. I think they have a really good defense. There are just definitely times of the way that the game is set up now where you know offense is going to – have an advantage in a lot of matchups because the rules are set up to allow the offense to have a, an advantage in a lot of those matchups. But uh, TCU defense is, is is a really good defense, I think, this year as well. And of course, Duggan has just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, what this what this offense can do, Kendry Miller, you know, running has been great. But Quentin Johnson is arguably the best receiver in the conference. His performance was absolutely phenomenal, and he has been pretty good all year long. But him and him and Duggan is one of the I think highest ceilings of a quarterback slash wide receiver combo that we have in the conference this year. Again, it's, it's just nice to see somebody utilizing all that talent Gary acquired uh, properly. Andy, any word on Jalen Daniels and, and how long he, uh, he might be out? Um, nothing official yet. There is, there are some people that are hearing potentially that he might have a broken collarbone. I'm not reporting that. Um, you know, but it, it could be as bad as that. But even then, that's like a four to you know four to six week downtime for him. Um, if it's that bad, otherwise it would be a strain. Um, you know, it's like I've heard some people say that hey, they're expecting him to be back at practice this week, um, but they might let Bean you know start for a couple of weeks, and then there's other people who are saying that Daniels could be out for anywhere from four to six weeks. So I'm probably going to say somewhere in the middle that it's probably going to be at least a couple of weeks. So. You know, Bean is probably going to get to be the starter against Oklahoma and Baylor, um, and then they have the bye. So Daniels might come back as early as Oklahoma State, but I probably wouldn't expect him before then. Yeah, I definitely think the uh, the number that came out out of uh, at Circa opened with Oklahoma as a nine-point favorite. It's dropped quite a bit last time I saw it. I think it was down to six and a half. And everybody's response was, put the house on. And bet your whole house on Kansas. And I'm not necessarily against that, but I do think Kansas without Jalen Daniels um, and Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel back is a very, very different situation than say a healthy, healthy Jalen Daniels versus an Oklahoma. Like we saw against Texas on Saturday. Uh, if Parker hops in or if any else sparks hops in, we'll talk a little bit more TCU. Um, although I do like the Max Duggan comments. Parker will hate that. I, I am going to push back a little bit on that because that Oklahoma defense is absolutely horrific. Um, and Jason Bean being the starter as opposed to Jalen Daniels, I don't think changes Kansas's game plan and their playbook enough. Um, you know, they still have a ton of speed. They still have a ton of different running backs and receivers that can go up and make plays. You know, it's going to come down to, I think, 
if, if, if Oklahoma is going to win that game, um, you know, or even, you know, more cover the, the huge favorite that they are comparatively, like Dylan Gabriel is going to have to be back and he's going to have to play better than he has played at all this entire year. Cause he has not been good. Uh, well, with the exception of maybe against Nebraska, you know, Gabriel has not really been that good. There's a lot of UCF fans that are, you know, been, been crowing out on Twitter and a bunch of different other places. Like you don't have to try very hard to find people that are saying, Hey, we knew this was going to happen. Like we told you that Gabriel was going to be this kind of quarterback for, for Oklahoma and Oklahoma looks lost right now on offense. And the defense has been absolutely atrocious. Yeah. I was about to actually make that comment about being, I really don't think it's that big of a drop off from, from being today. I think yeah. we forget a year ago before, before the season started and, and you, know, you had that rush because Leipold was a new coach, a new coach and, and everybody's still trying to learn that we were talking about Bean as being the best, one of the best Kansas quarterbacks since recent, right? We were talking about how Bean is in the, your prototypical Kansas quarterback. He actually is pretty decent. And then, and then he had a little bit of a struggle last year, in my opinion, a lot because of, you know, just the struggle of being a quarterback at Kansas. And then he gets hurt and everybody just forgets about him and then thinks, oh, he must just be trash like all the other ones. Bean, Bean can play. I think he showed in the TCU game that he got it. Like, I think a lot of it is saying that, like, oh, they have no – because Daniels isn't playing, that Kansas has a much worse chance of, of beating Oklahoma. I actually don't think that's that accurate. Like, Bean is – I'm just as scared of – maybe not just as scared of Bean as I am Daniels, but Bean ain't, ain't too shabby himself. Yeah, I, I think Daniels at his best is, can do more than Bean can do. But, you know, unless Daniels at his very best, then Bean is pretty, is pretty close, especially when Bean is playing as well as he did against TCU. Like, I think that was – that was him showing that he still has it. The way the, the kind of throws that he makes, he's a lot more confident in the throws that he makes, um, especially those long bombs than Daniels is at the moment. But I think a lot of that is because Daniels has so much trust in his legs, um, you know, and he is so used to to looking at that that way. The other thing too the, that uh, you know that that some of the players were saying in the breakouts after was that the last week and a half before you know that second half of TCU, they had gotten they had like changed up the playbook. They had done a lot of things differently. Um, you know, than what they had been doing successfully against teams like Duke and Houston and, and West Virginia. So, like, it's one of those things, too, where if they get back to that, you know, wide zone with the, the triple option looks and things like that, that Bean can be just as effective or even more effective than Daniels was in the prior, you know, week or so because the, the offense will be performing at a higher level as opposed to necessarily just the individual players. Boom. Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it, and the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there over four years with at least one episode a week, bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here, and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen, because we are not Big J journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans, and I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. Welcome one, welcome all, and you are listening live to the one, the only Tortillas and Takes podcast. From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech.
Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people. Your team going through a tough stretch. Well, then maybe you need a little home field magic from Home Field Apparel. The most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will ever find and a long-running sponsor here on the 1012 Podcast and of the 1012 Network. They're amazing. The vintage logos are incredible. They've got every Big 12 school available. If you've been listening to the 1012 Podcast for a while, you know about Home Field Apparel, which means you've probably been there. You've seen them, and if you haven't bought yet, you've been waiting, stop sitting in your cart, you've been hesitant. I'm pretty sure your school is there at this point. If you're a first-time listener and you haven't checked it out yet, you need to go now. Homefieldapparel.com. Every Big 12 school, current and future, currently available. T-shirts, sweaters, and hoodies. Amazing vintage logos by people who love college football. The most comfortable T-shirts, sweaters, and hoodies you will have. They are my favorites. The ones that I own, they are my favorite T-shirts. So remember this, promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, gets you 15% off your first purchase. Again, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, Iowa State, TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, West Virginia, Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, and UCF. They are all available at homefieldapparel.com now. So go there, check out the good brand, fill up your cart, use the promo code NETWORK12, and enjoy 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this college football, college basketball, and college sports season. Uh, I do want to talk a little Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, my good friend Micah, who uh, used to run Cowboys Ride for Free when it was around. I think we have a newsletter running now that I am supposed to be writing for. But, yeah, I don't know. Micah, you want to hop in here and talk a little bit about Oklahoma State's performance on, on Saturday against Texas Tech? Uh, Spencer Sanders obviously has been turning things around this season. Not his best performance of the season. Uh, QBR of 67, 22 for 45 for 297, and a touchdown through the air, and then 17 carries for 56 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I mean, he's been doing it with his legs a lot, but just what are your thoughts on Sanders so far this season and Oklahoma State? If Spencer Sanders never threw another football, I don't think I would be that mad. <laughs> I, I I really like the way that they've been <laughs> using his spin. Yeah, it's pretty savage. Um, I I that was very much being overdramatic. I feel like I would be mad if he stopped throwing the football like ever. But um, I do I have enjoyed watching him, you know, use his legs super effectively, and you know when he doesn't see anything, recognizing when he can run the ball and get the first down himself um, and things like that. I I feel like part of me, I really, really, really want to say we're finally getting the Spencer Sanders that we were promised. But as soon as I say that, he's going to have like a five interception game. I, I have never had anybody that I've covered puzzle me as much as Spencer Sanders, puzzle, Spencer Sanders puzzles me. Um, but you know, he had a very decent game on Saturday. Um, and you know, it ended in Oklahoma state getting a victory over Texas tech, which as a lot of us know, one does not go into facing Texas tech undefeated and make it out alive normally. So, um, just happy to be five and zero, and on to TCU next week. 
I'll, I'll say this, Micah. I will say that I think, and I know this is weird to say, I preface this by saying it's weird to say, that the tech secondary made Sanders work for everything, which I don't think I've ever said a season. Right. Since no, 08, since 08, no, since 09, I don't think I've said that phrase in 12, 13 years. But the tech secondary, I think, made Sanders work for literally every, and made like, we actually, we just got done recording, and we talked about Green. Like, Green had a great game, but like, damn, he had to work for like every single catch he made. Really had to work for it. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, tech's secondary played really well, and, um, you know, it was frustrating to watch at times as an Oklahoma State fan. Um, but, yeah, and also the other thing going into the game, I find out that Tech is playing their uh, redshirt freshman quarterback, and I'm like, oh, God, no, not again. <laughs> um, but, you know, that what normally happens when that happens didn't happen either on Saturday, so – yeah, props to Oklahoma State for finally moving ahead in the series. I know that Philip was saying earlier that because it was that chance once again to move ahead in the series that Oklahoma State would find a way to lose, and it really looked like it for a second. I was really you know, excited. You know what's funny? When we were up eight in the third quarter, Philip was the first person I thought about. We scored the touchdown. Yes. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Philip's onto it He's again. He's right again. <laughs> He's right again. My pessimism is never is nothing if not uh, often accurate. Uh, no, yeah, OSU leads the all-time series for the first time ever, which is a crazy thing to say. It's only taken what is, what is Gundy's record now? I think it's like fourteen and four against Texas Tech. Texas Tech, the first Big Twelve team that Mike Gundy ever beat as head coach at Oklahoma State. Their only Big Twelve win in year one. I think that was a ranked team as well. I, I remember fondly. Very nice. Uh, yeah, look, I, I know a lot of comments have been made, especially by ESPN. Uh, I forget her name, but I don't care. Uh, about Oklahoma State's defense, obviously it's taken a massive step back this year. Like it, it just has. You don't lose as much as you lose in the secondary and at linebacker, and you lose your defensive coordinator and just be like, yeah, we're just going to keep things rolling. This ain't Alabama, not Georgia. They're not recruiting you know, five, five-star DVs every single season. But uh, I, I think – I think Oklahoma State's defense adjusts really, really well in the second half of that game. Uh, and credit to, to Texas Tech, they came out with a with a great game plan. They attacked Oklahoma State's defense really well, uh, and Morton was was good as we talked about. But I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Oklahoma State's defense is anywhere near close to what it was last year. But I, it does feel. Thank you, uh, Chase Heather Denich. Appreciate that. Our good friend Chase Kitty, who was a uh, our guest picker this past week. Uh, Lions Edge podcast. If you enjoy college football and NFL betting, go check it out. And women's tennis betting. If you just like to go down that rabbit hole, uh, go listen to Chase's pod. Uh, I don't, but I don't. I feel like everyone's just bailed on Oklahoma State's defense because it's not top five this year. And while it's definitely not top five, I don't feel like it's as bad as it's being treated. So we actually in the preview pod, I said the same. I actually said the same thing before the Oklahoma State team. I thought that the defense. I think the defense it took a little bit to kind of come into its own, but I think it's getting better as the season goes on. I thought I played really well against Baylor, and um, also the last twenty three minutes of the game, we did not score a single point. We were up eight with eight minutes to go in the third quarter, and did not score a single point from that moment on. And I think a lot of that has to do with the adjustments that Derek Mason made. Um, a lot of that has to do with dis- a lot more disguises also in the second half, confusing the freshman quarterback that I think those disguises is what led to that interception, that pivotal interception that happened in the third quarter there. And so like 
that I think, I think, I mean, I, I, I do see a lot of people really crapping on your defense and especially in the national media, because I think Oklahoma state is likely the one team that has a legit shot at actually going to the playoff. Um, and, and Oklahoma state is kind of the Oklahoma quote unquote of the big 12 this year. And, and, and so because of that, I think y'all get the cheap shots for any anti big 12 national media piece. And so the defense is the easy, it's easy to just without looking at a team and you haven't watched a team say, if I just pull up the stats, you're low on the stats. I think you're like a hundredth in defensive efficiency overall, mostly because of that central Michigan game. So therefore I can just crap on your defense, but I do think the defense getting a lot better. And then Derek Mason, just being a good defensive coordinator helps you out when it comes, when it's winning time. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Derek Mason does in like year three, you know. Micah, um, he is not like, going to be here for three years. Well, There's no way know, Derek Mason is still water for year three. Um, but but you know, I, like Philip was talking about, you don't lose guys like Malcolm Rodriguez and just expect for it to be like nothing happened. There are going to be growing pains. There are going to be you know, re, re, rebuilding that sort of thing. And, but like Albie was saying, you know, I, I do think that they have taken us forward. I've seen improvements week to week that I've liked. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with the defense. I, I'm, I'm okay with where they are right now. Do I think that TCU is going to have a very, very good game against this defense? Yes. Does TCU kind of scare me with this defense? Yes. But, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, I did want to, and if anybody, tell you what, anybody listening happened to be watching the Houston game on Friday night, the Houston-Memphis game. I stayed up for that one and watched, like, pretty much all the third and fourth quarter. So if you want to chime in with your thoughts, but I did have to bring that game up because that game was absolutely wild. Uh Fourth quarter started with Houston down 22-7. Memphis scored a touchdown on like the first play of the fourth quarter. Goes up 26-7 with 4.04 left. Houston trailed 32-19. Uh, they won 33-32 in regulation. I, I don't know what was more shocking, that or Dana Holgerson wearing his hair through the hole in the ball cap, which is just the weirdest way to wear your hair. I don't understand that whatsoever. Uh Houston is a massive disappointment, but hey, at least they're interesting and fun because they keep every game close. They keep every game exciting. I wish we had our good friends from Scott and Holman podcast here just to hear their thoughts on that one. I had a few Houston fans uh, hitting us up in the DMs on tw- on Twitter, ten twelve network, T E N number twelve word network. Uh, as far as the rest of Big Twelve, BYU. I'm sorry, outside new incoming members, BYU. Kind of, kind of what I was afraid of. Uh, another season, who, or another team whose season's becoming a little bit disappointing. Uh, okay, they are still in the Big Twelve. We do have to talk about this game because I think one of these teams is going to have an impact on the Big Twelve title game, and the other one obviously isn't. Uh, Red River is a game that did happen. Uh, it was over pretty much once Quinn Ewers was officially announced the starter for Texas. Uh, Texas wins forty-nine to nothing, and I don't. Feel like it was even that close. Forty nine to nothing, Philip. They lost forty nine to zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, to zero. <laughs> uh, look, OU is down bad. Um, this is to just zero, Philip. Zero. They got shut out. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's really bad. 
it was um it was definitely a low point for the series. Uh, Philip, you know what I love? Sorry to cut you off. You know what I love so much about this rivalry? I get to slander either one of these teams regardless. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter. Last year, Texas played great, and then Caleb Williams came in, and they imploded. I got to slander Texas for a year. Now I get to slander Oklahoma for a year. This is great. I love this rivalry so much. All this is to not so much talk about Oklahoma because at this point, you know, we, we really only talked about Kansas most of the time because Andy is a co-host. Now Oklahoma's down so bad that unless they do something interesting, we don't really have to talk about them a whole lot. Texas, however, look, we said it on Thursday, like Texas gets out for big games. It's hard to read into those a lot because we've seen them in big games like the Alabama game where the whole team gets up because of who they're playing and then they don't play the same way the next week because they've been incredibly inconsistent. However, you now have a healthy Quinn Ewers. You have a defense that continues to improve. You have an offensive line that the comment all offseason was how young they were. Talented but young. And they are getting better and they are getting better. I don't want to call this shot because there's a lot of football to be played still, but Texas isn't just still in the running for the Big 12 title game mathematically as I think they still legitimately have a shot to get there. Like, I I want to see how they look against Iowa State before I'm going to go anywhere near picking them to make it. But if they if they get up for Iowa State, which they should because Iowa State owns them, if they get up for Iowa State, Texas is a real player, guys. Whether we like Philip, it or not, they are. Philip, but are they back? But are they back? <laughs> I will never, ever say that. I will never. <laughs> Say that. No, actually, I don't necessarily agree that it's Iowa State game. It's it's because um, I do think they're going to win that game. It's at home. Um, they and I see what you're saying as far as just making sure they don't. It's, you, it's how they, they perform. Like, not not yeah. to get a win or an overtime. Like we've seen what Iowa State's defense has done the last couple of weeks against teams that have have been really good on offense. Like Quinn Ewers is back. If Quinn Ewers goes in and just cuts that defense up, I like. Yeah, but here's the thing about Texas, though. Quinn like, Ewers, Kelsey is a wild card for Texas. But but look at their schedule, though. Like, after Iowa State, the, like, the rest of the season is kind of a dogfight for them. At Oklahoma State, at Kansas State, against TCU, at Kansas, against Baylor. Like, that is that is a hell of a rest of the schedule. So, like, right now, they're 4-2. and two, And, they'll, I mean, let's face it, they'll likely be 5-2 and two at, next week. Um, but they're playing the our toughest five-game stretch of the entire season immediately afterwards. True, but who who has the best quarterback in every one of those games as long as Quinn Ewers stays healthy? You know, I I I, I agree with Philip. I it, it I, I know this is the whole this is you know why it's fun to make fun of Texas because they have all the talent in the world and they underachieve. Uh, but they finally have for the first time what since Vince Young was here the best quarterback in the conference, I guess maybe Colt McCoy at his best. Damn, I was about to say Colt McCoy slander. Man, I wasn't expecting that today. Yeah, I mean, Colt McCoy, who went 0-2 versus Ron Prince. I mean, how good could he really be? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just kidding. Colt McCoy, he, he was No, fine. Scott, press into it. Go all the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is. That's, but, but that's a hilarious they, they finally have They finally have uh, the top quarterback in the conference, and again, if if they can stay together, and and again, we've I've talked myself into it. I've uttered the phrase "Texas is back," um, but I I have a hard time seeing a game on the schedule where in a vacuum I would pick them to lose. Again, you don't play football in a vacuum. You don't play it on a spreadsheet. 
But I mean, I, I, I think it's cute that you were talking about how they had to go to Kansas, but there's a very real chance at that point, KU might be spiraling. Uh, yeah, they have to come to K-State. I think that's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight versus Oklahoma State. Every game is going to be a dogfight. But they will be the most talented team every game they walk into, and they're going to have the best quarterback as long as Ewers stays healthy. And I frankly don't think there is anyone who's even close. All right, but are we at the same time, as impressive Texas looked against Oklahoma, again, this is a very bad Oklahoma Yeah, team. no, for so sure. Like, are for we sure. kind of taking – But again, if, if – if you're going to, and again, there's, there's no such thing as moral victories, but Texas was going to beat Alabama if he doesn't get hurt. You know, I, who knows what would have happened in that Texas Tech game if, if he was playing instead of the backup. You know, I, I want them to lose. I want them to lose all sorts of games because, you know, I already have a hotel booked right next door to AT&T Stadium just in case. Just in case. It's, I, I can cancel it up until the night before the reservation. Uh, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> But if you're going to try to project out the next six games for any team in the conference, I, I don't see how you can look at them and say, hey, yeah, they're 100% a player to make it to Arlington that first Saturday in December. The, the thing for Texas for me is this. Um, they did play well against West Virginia. And I, I, we can talk about how good or bad West Virginia is. That's fine. But Texas, for the past few decade, let's just say decade, because let's be honest, again, inconsistent. They get up for the games that matter. They don't get up for the other ones. So the games against Alabama's, the Notre Dame's, the Oklahoma's, and those games, they get up. And they don't the rest of the time. They're consistent. So playing a team like West Virginia, who's who's not terrible, but not good, but beating them the way they do, we're I don't I'm, we don't we downplay it because okay, okay, well, West Virginia's not very good, so it's not that big a deal that they beat them. They're supposed to. Yeah, but Texas hasn't done what they're supposed to for a while. This is a team that has continued to get better. And again, this is why I'm saying I want to see what they look like against Iowa State. Not if they win, like how do they play Iowa State? Do they play like they care? Do they play like they're going to get up for every game with something to play for at the end of the year? Like they want to get to Arlington because we just don't see that from Texas enough. That talent hasn't actually, you know, materialized into something that week after week is an incredibly talented team. It's been a little bit inconsistent, but Hudson Card has been the guy under center for them. The defensive line has been getting better. The offensive line, one of their biggest issues, has been getting better. Those were two of the biggest problems for Texas coming in the season were the two lines. If those are continuing to improve, and Quinn Ewers is back, and I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback, Scott. I'm not going to say what you there, but if you want to say most talented, there's no way I'm arguing with you on that front. If this, this reminds me kind of like Oklahoma 2020, when they start the conference play 0 and 2, and I'm sitting here with Andy and Jamie, and it's like, no, and I'm saying, like, OU's going to make the conference title game. They're going to do it. I'm not ready to say that for Texas, but I want to see how they look against Iowa State. And if they come out and just beat Iowa State, and Quinn Ewers looks really good against what is a really good defense, it's, it's time to get a little bit scared that Texas might be able to get there. Like, again, they can take another lump, but we're also talking about a Big 12 where everyone keeps saying the same thing. You're going to have a two-loss team in that conference title game. You might have two. You might have a three-loss team. Now, I'm not ready to go to a three-loss team. I think there's a lot of football to be played. Two undefeateds. Three undefeateds in conference play in Kansas who only has one loss. But I just – it is so much more a possibility right now than it has been at this point in previous seasons to see Texas actually start to look like the Texas that it's supposed to be. They, they don't have to prove it to me that they're not 
and I'm not, I'm not even saying that they're bad. I'm not saying they're going five and seven. I just eight and four is what I had at the beginning of the season. I still see it. And I know they just beat the crap out of Oklahoma and it's hilarious, but I still see the same eight and four team down the stretch. That's just two more. That's what two more losses. What the rest of the year yeah. that looking at that schedule, that's what I see. And that's how I look at it. Right. They, they, they don't, to me, this is a very, still the same, a very similar Texas team with a much better quarterback to Scott's point and Quinn yours, who I still has arguably the best high school quarterback tape. I think I might have, seen in the past maybe ever seen um i've only been looking at it for the past decade so i'm not going back to yesteryear but whatever um but still like it's it's still texas it's still the texas same texas team that against against tech when they lost the tech it's not like they lost because hearts and card was ridiculously terrible anything like that right they they lost the tech because they just they they weren't able to make the winning plays when it was needed and that's been texas's downfall for the past decade and so I just don't – I don't think that the game against Oklahoma, a, the, what, a team that looks like the worst Oklahoma team we've seen in the past decade is what's going to necessarily change my mind on it. That's fine. That's, that's, I get it. We all, we all need to see a little bit more. That's why I'm not all in, but the thought is there. All right, let's wrap up the show as we always do. And since I've got Jeremy Elby and Scott, I'll let you guys be up first to bat. We always end the show by looking to the week that is coming. We've got four Big 12 games starting on Thursday. Baylor at West Virginia. Saturday, we've got OU or OSU at TCU. Kansas at Oklahoma. Iowa State at Texas. We've also got BYU hosting Arkansas, which is a really interesting game. I'll give you that. And then I got to remember which other one it is on Thursday. I'm at UCF hosting Temple, among uh, our other future Big 12 brothers and sisters. Guys, uh, which game this week are you most excited for? Uh, Scott, you're up first. Oklahoma TCU. Um, I think that that is going to be uh, the marquee game. I, I think it's going to be the most competitive game. And seeing that I am a K-State fan above a Big 12 fan, that's also our next two opponents and it's a bye week so i'm going to be drinking a lot of pumpkin beer from manhattan brewing company uh wearing my char- oh no i'm not going to say that sponsor uh, but i'll be drinking my manhattan brewing company uh pumpkin batch beer watching all sorts of football but that's the one i'm most interested in jeremy uh, yeah for me it's actually going to be uh kansas in norman against Oklahoma, Oklahoma's lost uh, two back-to-back home games, you know, Texas and Kansas State. Uh, first of all, like, who's playing, who's who's under center for Kansas? And I think Albert did a really good job of talking about, you know, Jason Bean's actually a really good quarterback. And so I have, you know, after seeing uh, Daniels go out and Bean come in, I'm like, oh, I don't know how it's going to go. But then, oh, that's right. I forgot that we were actually really high on this guy for a reason. Uh, you know, how does Kansas respond under the, in the, leap, the light bulb area? Like, how do they respond? to their first loss in this really exciting season game day comes all the hype. How do they respond? Cause with, you know, where Oklahoma's at, you feel like there's no way Oklahoma can lose three in a row, but Kansas is a really well orchestrated team. And so if Kansas is able to respond and give Oklahoma three, golly, three home losses in a row, I mean, at that point, just dismantle the program, um, but gets Kansas back on track for a big 12 uh, bid. And so it's just it's a it's a very under the radar game I think because uh, you got a lot more exciting games around everything but I, I'm excited about that one. Albie. 
I'm definitely all in for Oklahoma State TCU. That's this is like the, the winner of that game has the inside track to to Arlington, has the inside track to the playoff. Will stay undefeated, gets that bowl, gets that you know bowl eligibility piece. It really doesn't matter when you're already five and zero. But um, uh, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely the matchup, the game of the week for me. I'm definitely gonna have my and I also I'm still I, coming into the year I didn't believe in TCU, um, and I still kind of don't. I still kind of don't. I believe in Max Duggan. I, I, I think he's a really good quarterback. Outside of Duggan um, in his final year, well, I, let me rephrase. I now believe in Max Duggan. Didn't for a long time. I had a lot of jokes about Duggan for a while. But now I believe in Max Duggan. Uh, but I still not a huge believer in, in TCU in general. So I think this game, will, to me, will be the one that I really see just how good TCU is uh, against a team that I do think is, is impressively good in Oklahoma State. Um, but also, my favorite battle of this week, that's my favorite game. My favorite battle is uh, – QB battles are back, baby. Text QB battle in the bye week. We're taking this bye week seriously, right? We got uh, Morton versus Shuck versus Smith, uh, where I think the fan base will be happy if Morton's the guy. We'll be accepting if Shuck's the guy and we'll be uh, really upset and um, if Smith's the guy. So uh, it'll be fun. I, You know, pissed off fan base is always something that I like to see. That's uh that's always so I you know a part of me wants Joey to do the do the uh the the dumb thing which would be to start Smith don't don't start Smith but that'd be very Ooh. hilarious if we did. Boo, get out of here, Albert. Boo, bad. We 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 <laughs> he's, we're not starting Smith. Like, let's, let's be real, but it'd be hilarious if we did. We don't condone Donovan Smith slander here on the Ten Twelve Podcast. Uh, I'll I'll be the outlier just because I can. This doesn't have quite the. Mm, pizzazz that it once did now that BYU is four and two and Arkansas is three and three, but BYU will be joining the big 12 and facing Arkansas in Provo in October. Like it's a sneaky, interesting game. Like again, neither team is ranked anymore for what looked like we might have a, a really good ranked on ranked matchup. I still think these are two really good teams. I still think this should be a very interesting game in Provo. It is one I'll be keeping an eye on, not on the main screen since it's two 30 and, so, too, is Oklahoma State TCU, so you know which game I'll be focused on. But I also live in uh, in Arkansas, so I'll have to find a screen to put it on for my wife and my in-laws. Uh, but I am very intrigued in that one as well. All right, you guys have been awesome. Uh, love doing this. This was fun. I, I, I do think we might try and look at making a live show once a month. Uh, so thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Thank you to everybody who listened to the show on a regular basis. Uh, check out every show in the network. 1012network.com. You can find links to every show. Except Bosco's boys, I'm getting it on there. I'll go text Chris now and tell him to get it done. Uh, Albie, Jeremy, tortillas and takes. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it, Scott. Bosco's boys, thanks a lot. Boneheads, appreciate having you guys here with us. Uh, Chase, Rich, uh, everyone else who is listening right now, uh, avid listeners, I really appreciate it. We will be back on Thursday. Hey, hey before you sign off, real quick, yeah. Philip. Real, real quick question. Who's the standalone team at the top of the Big 12 right now? Uh, is, it, is it Kansas State at 3-0? Yes. Top of the 12, having a laugh, my friend. We'll be back on Thursday. Uh, thanks to everybody again. Uh, we'll talk to you then.
Social Podcast Network.